following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the topic of seasons, seasons in your life. And the thing about seasons, seasons are so important to recognize, to understand. I don't know what season you're in right now in your life. I don't know what season you've come out of or what you're going into, but God does. And the Bible speaks about seasons. The Bible has a lot to say about seasons. Uh, The Bible says there's a season for everything under the sun. Everything under the sun has its own season. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under the sun, for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, and a time for war and a time for peace. The context is that God sees everything and he understands we have these seasons in life. And we're going to be looking at a passage today with Paul the Apostle where he is about to have a season change in his life. And it's a big change. And maybe some of you this morning, you're at a point in your life where your season is changing, or maybe you're in the middle of a season, wondering when that season is going to be over. Uh, Maybe you're in a new season, a fresh season, an exciting one, but maybe you're in the middle of a long season, and you're wondering what's next. I believe it's so important to understand about your seasons in life. It is so important, and we're going to see the reasons why, but Paul had a really good grasp on the seasons of his life. And if you don't look at it like seasons, you can, you know, get really frustrated sometimes. You have to understand the seasons that God allows, orchestrates. Some of those seasons, by the way, are self-inflicted. Sometimes we will do something to get ourselves in a season. Say, for example, we rack up all our credit cards and we're in debt. Is God to blame that we're in that season? No, we can't blame God. But God will see us through that season. Other seasons, God sees what we're doing and he says, this is for the next step of your growth. And he's bringing us through a season. So some seasons may be self-inflicted. Other seasons are just the grace of God or how he's growing. God cares about your season, about my season. And we see this in the Apostle Paul's life. The other thing we know about seasons from nature is that seasons change. They don't stay the same. Seasons always change, just like in our lives. And since they change, we have to understand what season you're in. Now, I just want to break down a few topics before we look at the Apostle Paul to think about this in your own life or maybe some friends or family where they may be at with this. But let's talk about relationally first with relationships. When it comes to seasons, some are in the season of singleness. I was very familiar with that season. It was a very long season. And if you're single today, you might be going, how long is this season going to last? Amen? We need to pray for our single folks that God hooks them up with the right soulmates. We really do. We need to step up prayer in that area. But it can be a season where you're like, Lord, I love you, and man wasn't made to be alone. It's not good, and neither was it for a woman, and people are seeking God and looking for the big picture and what God has. And that's a, that's a very serious season in someone's life. And I remember being in that season going, Lord, I don't know how long this is going to last, but it seems like it's taken forever. 
that season. Maybe some of you are in that season. Maybe there's a season of, uh, of marriage. Uh, it starts out usually honeymoon, and then sometimes the honeymoon goes away, and it's working things out and going through this season of marriage where you're learning to navigate as a husband and wife and through things. And then the next season is children come along, and it's like, wow, it's not just about both of you anymore. You have little ones that have a lot of needs, and in the weirdest hours of the night, and so this next season is a, can be a wild one and a sleepless one and a, sometimes a frustrating one, a very giving one. It's a very selfless season. And then some are in the season with teenagers. With all due respect to any of you teenagers that are here today, uh, it's a little higher maintenance for some moms and dads with teenagers just because how we're dealing with, you know, teenagers are like little young adults and how we navigate the communication and the needs and the direction. That's another season. Maybe some of you are at a place where it's an empty nest home, where kids are up and they're gone. And now it's a whole different season in life. So relationally, we have these different seasons. Some of your seasons that you might be struggling with right now are maybe economically. Uh, This current condition, it's almost like a famine in the land. God allowed famines in the land in the Old Testament. He allowed these famines. He sees those famines, and he still takes his people through those famines. Maybe some of you, it's economically, and you're like, how am I going to get through this? This is a season that's got to end. Lord, what's going on? Maybe you're in one of those. Maybe for some of you, it's health, areas of health for you or one of your loved ones, and you're like, Lord, when is breakthrough coming? When is there going to be change here? Ah, This seems to be going on a long time, Lord. When is breakthrough going to happen for either you or a loved one? Or maybe it's spiritually. Maybe you, you feel like you're in the same place that you've been in for just too long. And it's time for revival. It's time for God to light you up. We were singing that song earlier, Fire Fall Down. If you're not familiar with it, it's not talking about fire in a bad way. It's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit falling on you like he did the apostles so that God can fan you into flame, so that God can breathe new life into you, that you have a new level of vibrancy living for the glory of God. Maybe it's that time. Maybe it's that season where you're like, Lord, I've been running on fumes a little too long. Will you fill me again? Will you refresh me? There's all these different seasons. And because this is such an important topic, it's one that's very close to my heart, we're going to have a time for prayer at the end of our service. I really want to encourage you regarding this topic of the seasons in your life to come forward and get prayer. Maybe you're trying to navigate your current season. Maybe you're frustrated about your season. Maybe you're looking forward to the next one and you don't know what it is. God does. So I want to encourage you now, come forward for prayer. God answers prayer and God will help you navigate those seasons. So if you have your Bible today, we're in Acts 23. We've been teaching through the book of Acts. And you can open up there. Uh, We're picking up in verse 11. That's where we left off last week. And uh, the situation is this. Paul's life had many different seasons. Paul was in a season where he was a Pharisee, a very zealous one. And then he understood that Jesus is, in fact, the Jewish Messiah. There was a season where he didn't think so. And then there's a season where he realized Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Completely changed his whole life around. Revolutionized his life. He was in a whole new season. He went for a little while, if you look at his life, to to go to Arabia to kind of maybe understand what was I thinking before and how did I miss this fact that Jesus is the Messiah. So it seems like he would have studied the Torah and looked and went, it's so obvious that Jesus is the Messiah. Then he spends the next number of years on his life going around city to city through the Roman Empire telling people 
that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Jewish Messiah, and he's spending his whole life doing this, and it's going really great. He's in a scene today where his season of doing that is over for a while. And he has a change of seasons that we're going to see today in the text. And it changes in a pretty dramatic way. And uh, I think when we look at Paul, he understands these seasons really well. And because he understands them, he does well. But if you don't understand your seasons, it, it can really mess you up. So let's look at this, understanding your seasons, and we're going to look at it through Paul's experience, Acts 23. The scene is that he finished his third missionary journey, comes back to Jerusalem, goes up to the temple, and there's a riot. There's some very zealous Jewish folks that don't like Paul or what he represents. So they start a riot, they arrest him, the guards are involved, like what did this guy do? And they're trying to figure out what Paul did. They can't figure out what he did. It doesn't seem like he did anything wrong, but there's a full riot going on. So the Roman commanders are involved and they have Paul and they're trying to figure out what's going on here. And so it says in verse 10, where we're going to start, it says, the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and to take him away from them by force And bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So he's in the middle of this violent riot. The Roman troops take him away, and the year is 58 AD. Paul is now arrested. We've been looking through the whole book of Acts, and we've been seeing this whole process of what's going on in his life. It all changes right here in this verse. All of a sudden, Acts 23, Paul is under arrest. His season is changed. It's a dramatic change. And the Lord speaks to him and says that this season, I love this because God knows everything about your seasons. The Lord speaks to him and says, this season is going to take you all the way to Rome. Now, it's nice to know if you're in a season where you're going. Wouldn't it be nice to know where you're going in your season? Like, where's the season taking me? The Lord's like, listen, you are in a different season. It changed right now, here today. But this season is going to take you all the way to Rome. And at least by the grace of God, Paul knows where the season has taken him. It's a whole lot better in life when you know where your season's taking you. If you have no idea where your season's taking you, that's kind of a rough way to navigate. Paul knows where this is. And so there's something about understanding and recognizing what season you're in. Paul realizes that he's in jail, and Paul realizes that although he's arrested, he's going to be that way all the way to Rome. He recognizes his season. That's something important for you and I. If you're a note taker this morning, and there's a couple of key points on this regarding understanding your season, step number one is recognize your season. What season are you in? Recognize it. Some folks don't recognize what season they're in. And that can be kind of rough. That can be rough in many areas. They don't recognize their season. They're, they can be, you know, you see 65-year-old men running off thinking they're 25 again. It's like, did you recognize your season? And they don't. And women can do the same. A lot of people do this stuff. They just don't recognize their season. And they derail an entire process that God's in the middle of. There's people all the time that fail to recognize their season. The first step is you've got to recognize your season. What season are you in? Understand what season you're in. Because if you don't, then it's really hard to navigate. And I will say, if you fail to recognize your season, things can get very frustrating. If you don't understand what your season is, it can be very frustrating. You know, if Paul didn't realize 
that he's going to be under arrest all the way till he gets to Rome. He's going to wake up frustrated every day. What am I doing here? How long is this going to last? Why me? But if you understand, okay, I'm in this season and I'm going to go to Rome in this season, maybe under arrest, but I know where I'm going. You have a whole different way of navigating your seasons when you understand and recognize what your season is. Some don't understand their seasons, and they get really frustrated, and they just kind of quit. They kind of pull over, they're frustrated, they're mad, and they they don't really want to go forward because they're so frustrated in life, and they don't understand that. Now, I do have to say this, in all fairness, when Paul got arrested here, arrested, Paul didn't maybe know how long this season was going to be. Paul was arrested here, guys, for five long years. And we looked at everything else that was happening in Paul's life, and he was going from here to there and doing this and that. I don't think Paul knew when he was arrested and that he is going to go to Rome. I don't think he knew it was going to be five long years. And that's a valid thing because sometimes the timing of our seasons can be a little frustrating. Seasons are longer sometimes than we think. You know, and that's, that's uh, an important thing. But I will tell you this, no matter how long your season is, like Paul, you've got to walk in faith. When you're in this season, you've got to walk in faith. And you know what faith does? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. You're in a season, and although you don't really know for sure what is next, faith says, I'm looking all the way through this to whatever is on the other side of it. That's what faith does. Faith looks through the mess. Faith looks through the mire. Faith is what gives you the strength to press on when everyone else is putting their head down and quitting. Faith looks ahead and says, no, if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm moving forward. Even though I don't understand the season or the timing of it, I know God is with me through this. And you Continue to press on. So the second step this morning is exactly that, to prayerfully see beyond your season. This is important. Prayerfully see beyond your season. Prayerfully seek the living God. Ask him, God, help me, show me. I need to see beyond this because I'm in a season right here that maybe isn't a lot of fun. Maybe the season is difficult. Maybe there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of heat in this season. And God will help you in faith see what's ahead so you don't stop and quit. Many folks do quit. There are marriages that didn't prayerfully see beyond the season. Yeah, it was a tough season, but they didn't see beyond it. If you prayerfully see beyond your season, you will navigate well. You will do well. You will be victorious in your seasons if you prayerfully can see beyond your seasons. Some of these seasons are kind of tough. They're difficult. And you've got to prayerfully see beyond them. That's really, really important. Um, the Bible says that people perish for lack of vision. People perish for lack of vision. And what that means is they're in a situation where they're like, this is overwhelming. And they don't look beyond their season. They're just stuck right there. And they're like, this is terrible. Life is bad. And it's probably going to be like this forever. Yeah, it's the Eeyore syndrome. And they don't know because Eeyore can't look beyond his seasons either. But if you can look beyond your seasons... You can go, yeah, this is tough right now, but God is going to see me through this just like he saw me through everything else. He's good. He's good that way. Um, Helen Keller, many of you know Helen Keller. She's probably the most recognized blind person, very accomplished, very, very smart. She has a statement. She said, what would be worse than being born blind? To have sight without vision. There's plenty of people with sight that don't actually have vision. 
They're not looking beyond anything. They're just looking at the immediate. That's not faith. Sight without vision is a sad situation. People perish for lack of knowledge. And when you're in a season like this, now think of Paul. How well would he have done if he couldn't look beyond his circumstance? He'd be like, this is terrible. I quit. I tried serving God. Why am I going to keep doing this? I'm arrested. Why isn't God blessing me? What's going on? And people start to go downhill really quickly when they get stuck like that. You've got to see beyond your season. Really, really important. Do that prayerfully because God will show you. And in fact, I want to remind you at the end of the service, there's that opportunity. Maybe you need to ask God prayerfully, God, I want to see beyond my season. This season is, is tough. I don't get it. Relationally, financially, spiritually, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's health. But God, I want to see beyond. Will you help give me the faith to see beyond the season? Really, really important. Uh, but vision is such an important part about that. It moves on in verse 12, and um, it tells us in verse 12, it says, The next morning the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders, and they said, We've taken a solemn oath not to eat or drink anything until we've killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about this case, and we are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul... The centurion said, Paul the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? He said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him, Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at 9 tonight, provide mounts for Paul so that they could be taken safely to Governor Felix. This is an amazing snapshot of history of what's going on in Paul's life as his season changes. But one of the things we see in his life is that Paul had some opposition. He probably had a greater level of opposition than you and I ever will, but let me just tell you something. The devil is real. And anything that you want to do for the glory of God, the devil will do everything he can to oppose it. With people, places, or things. That's his nature, is to stop or oppose or hinder you from walking out the things of God. He's really good whether it's putting a counterfeit in your path or blocking you or hindering you or doing whatever he can to do that, that's what he does by nature. He's been doing it a really long time. He's gotten really good at it. The enemy here had a plan. And the cool thing is that God also has a plan. The devil does have a plan, but God has a plan. And guess what? God's plan always wins. Do you know God's plan always wins? You need to know that. God's plan always wins. If you get one thing today about seasons, God's plan wins. That's why he's called sovereign. We use that word a lot. Sovereign means over reign. God S over reign. He is sovereign. He overreigns everything. All things, all places, all times. He's sovereign. He's all-knowing, all 
powerful, always present. That will never change about the nature of the living God. God is sovereign. And the third point this morning is exactly that. You need to know that God is sovereign over your seasons. I don't know what season you're in, but God is sovereign over it. He hasn't left you, he hasn't abandoned you, and he hasn't forsaken you. He is sovereign over your seasons. Sometimes we know what God is doing, sometimes we don't. But it doesn't change the fact that God is sovereign over your seasons. That doesn't change, it never changes. In fact, Jesus says to us, he says, I will never leave or forsake you. And these guys are holding on to stuff like that. You and I need to hold on to stuff like that. When you're in a season you can't figure out, when you're in a season you don't understand, you need to hold on to. God says, I will never leave or forsake you. He's sovereign over your seasons. Really important. So where it continues is the, there's a plot to ambush Paul and the nephew, which is interesting. We don't think of Paul having a sister. You guys ever think of that? Paul have a sister? No, it's in the Bible. He has a sister. And a sister had a son, which is his nephew. And his nephew hears about this plot of all these people trying to get Uncle Paulie going to get him. And he hears about this. He goes and tells Paul. He's like, tell the commander, please. He goes to the commander, and the commander's like, really? And, and he's probably familiar because the, the zealousness of the Jews in this era was pretty extreme, and Rome had to contend with that. So they figured, okay, well, we're going to do something dramatically different. We're not sending Paul to Jerusalem. In fact, we're taking him up to Caesarea. He's going to be far away from here. And his trial is going to happen up there not down here. And so they send Paul, I love this, on horseback accompanied by 470 soldiers. If you had enemies, that's a pretty nice way to roll, isn't it? I mean, come on. You can't beat that. God is good. Nice way to travel. Um, Moves on in verse 25, and this is the letter that he sends ahead of him with Paul. And it says, he wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Listus to his excellency, Governor Felix. He's sending a letter to Felix because that's where Paul's going to go for his trial. And uh, he says, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him, but I came with my troops and rescued him, for I have learned that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to the Sanhedrin. I found that the accusations had to do with questions about their law, Uh, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against this man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipyrus. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with them while they returned to the barracks. And when the cavalry arrived at Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. So the, the situation is this. The commander writes the letter to the governor. Paul's a Roman citizen. He has rights. They were trying to kill him. I'm sending him to you. And you're the right jurisdiction, and that's where his trial is going to go. It's interesting that 2,000 years later, we still deal with this issue. It's called venue. When people are trying to go to court, what's the right venue? And if it's the wrong venue, you get it moved. Venue's important. And this guy's like, he's in the wrong venue. He needs to go up to your venue. We're doing the same thing legally. And so Paul's a citizen. He's got rights. That's going to be the venue. And the accusers are on the way. And you can hear the trial when he gets there. But he is in jail right now. Paul is in jail. And that has got to be a tough season to be in. 
And I just want to say something about seasons that as believers we make this mistake. We, we tend to make this mistake that if, if God is good, then why is my season bad? Right? Is that common? If God is good, why am I in this season right now? I mean, why, how, how come this is going wrong? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with the picture? What did I do to deserve this is what people start to ask. And there's something, and I don't know where this comes from, but there's something in our nature that seems to think everything ought to be going great. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and God's doing what he's supposed to do, everything ought to be going good. There shouldn't be problems. I don't know where this comes from, but it's a very common theme. Uh, The church in the last 15 years was plagued with a prosperity kind of doctrine, believing that you're supposed to prosper in everything, in health and wealth and riches and this, and just, you're supposed to. And I don't know where that came from. Because when you look at Jesus, you look at the apostles, you look at the first century church, you can't say that. You can't make that argument. There were some people profoundly blessed in the Bible. You look at Abraham and you look at David, and yes, there were some people profoundly blessed. That doesn't mean that the theme for God is for everyone to have a utopian lifestyle on planet Earth. It just doesn't exist. And yet, some people, when their season is a bad one like this, they're like, what did I do to deserve this? Am I being punished? God, is it, you don't love me? And, and people start to take on this demeanor, this disposition of, what did I do so wrong to, to deserve this? Or are you mad at me? Or have you left me, God? And, and I don't think we can do that. I don't think that's fair. If you believe that, if you think that God is supposed to pave a beautiful pathway for you with your problems gone, that's simply not true. And it's, it's a lie. You've got to take captive. The Bible says take captive every thought that rises itself up against the knowledge of God. If God has a way, a direction, a will, and a plan, and something difficult comes up, you can't equate that to God's not blessing me. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But there are good things that come out of tough times. There always have been good things that come out of tough times. Jesus had to endure the cross, but we get eternal life for it. Paul's going to go to jail, but he's going to write a third of the New Testament. He's going to testify not only to every judge along the way, he's going to go to Caesar himself. How would that ever happen? Good things come out of it. We don't look at it that way. We're always looking down at the problem instead of looking out to the next season. But you've got to know good things come out of tough times. Really, really important. They always do. And in fact, let's look at some of the rough seasons that some folks had to go in. Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament. He's in Babylon. He's getting thrown into a lion's pit. Not good. <laughs> no future in that. And yet... God delivers him. He sees through his seasons. He's victorious on the other side. And God uses them in profound ways that you wouldn't have thought of down in that, that pit. In that pit, you would never think there's a hope and a future for you. And so some, again, they get stuck in their season and some look beyond it. Some look beyond it. Uh, look at Joseph. Joseph is a great example. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph's brothers, they send him, they, they sell him off into slavery. He's down in Egypt. Where's the blessing in that? You're in Egypt, you're in a foreign land, your own family sold you out. You're a slave. Where's the future in that? But that's not the way he lived. He didn't live with that disposition. He lived with the heart condition. I know who my God is. I don't understand the season, but I know who my God is. I know his promises are yes and amen, and you know I'm going to go that way. And he didn't, he didn't get stuck. He didn't sink. He, he pressed on, and he navigated his way in faith in his 
situations, and he ends up getting raised up to be virtually the prime minister of Egypt and a source of provision for many, including Israel coming down and getting food in the future. Why? Because he's there. There's a future, and the tough times bring out good things. Moses is a great example of this. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's court, everything first class. He was in the family. He's in the inner circle. And then his season changed, and he's an outcast. He's on the run. And what many folks fail to realize is that Moses lived out in the desert for 40 long years. Talk about a season. Going from Pharaoh's court to out in the desert as a fugitive, that's a big difference. He's out there for 40 long years while God is showing and teaching him, this is how you navigate, understand desert life. This is how you take care of sheep. And I know it's year after year after year, but I'm preparing you, Moses, because there's going to come a day when it's time for all my people to get out of Egypt and you are going to lead them. And you're never going to be able to lead them unless you go through this lesson, unless you go through this season. We want to skip seasons. You can't skip seasons. If God orchestrates a season, you can't skip it. Sometimes you've got to take a test again and again because we don't pass the tests that God gives us. Some have referred, that, referred them to pop quizzes. When God goes pop and you know you're being quizzed, it's a pop quiz. But sometimes you've got to go through these tests. You go through these seasons, and you've got to pass them. You've got to be victorious in them. Moses did exactly that. He spent 40 years on the backside of a desert, and then God appears to him in a burning bush and says, it's time. <laughs> my name is Yahweh. Go get my people. Lead them out. They're my people, and I want you to lead them. Really? Yeah. There's preparation for everything. Preparation for everything. Paul right now, again, he's going to spend five long years in jail, but that's going to do some things in a couple ways. It's going to temper his heart in a new way. He's going to understand that along the way, he's going to be used for the glory of God. He's going to get to share the gospel with every governor and and leader he comes in place with, including all the Roman guards. Later on, we find out that part of Caesar's household are believers. How did those guys get to be believers? Well, they were hanging out with Paul for a long time, even though he was in jail. So, I mean, God's using all this stuff. The guy writes a third of the New Testament. Again, there's something good that comes out of this stuff. And the same is the case, guys, with you and with myself. When we're in these seasons, if we will recognize, no matter how difficult they are, God, you want to do something in this season. There's a reason for this season. God is sovereign. He's got a plan. What does he want to do in this season? That's why, guys, we have to understand our seasons. We've got to recognize them. We've got to come to terms with them. If not... We just think life isn't fair or life is tough and what's the point? And if the enemy can rob your joy, if the enemy can discourage you, if he can get your heart, the rest is all downhill from there. If he can get your heart, if he can just discourage you. But if we recognize our seasons and that this season is not the last one, there's not, then he can't have your heart. You say, I know whose I am. It's not who I am, it's whose I am. And I know whose I am and I know his plans for me and I know it doesn't end this way. And I know there's another season on the other side, and I'm going to live for the glory of God in faith no matter what this season is. You're going to find yourself passing these tests, and you're going to see God moving you to the next season and living for his glory. And uh, the fourth point is exactly that. It's uh, God is looking for our progress in the process. In the process of these seasons, he's looking for your progress. He's looking for my progress. He wants to grow us and strengthen us and build us in all of these I mean, Jesus had a season of 
30 years before he got into public ministry till he was baptized. Then there was a three-year season. Don't fight the seasons. Go with the seasons that God orchestrates. Understand, the Bible says that we're supposed to recognize the times, making the most of every opportunity. And that means we need to recognize our seasons and say, God, how can I maximize this season? How can I maximize this season? Really, really important stuff. Hold on to this visual. You know, the price of gold is up to $1,400 an ounce or something like that. It used to be like three, dollars $400. People on every corner have a sign up, we buy gold. Have you seen all these signs? It could be outside a 7-Eleven corner, a guy with a little lemonade stand. We buy gold. I mean, everyone's buying gold. Everybody wants gold. Gold is, is uh, very, very valuable, but to be valuable, it's got to be re- refined. And to refine gold, what it takes is turning up the heat. Turning up the heat. And after the heat gets turned up, they remove the dross in the top. All the junk comes to the top. They remove it. And you know what they do? They turn up the heat some more. And they remove the dross. And they keep doing this to refine the gold more and more and more pure. And it's finally pure when the person that's doing the refining can see their reflection in it. That's pure. That's what God wants to do in your life and in mine. And sometimes the heat gets turned up. But the dross is being removed off the top. As we go through this process, our living God, he's going to see the reflection, the reflection of Jesus Christ in you and I, how we live for his glory. That gets to be evident to others. Another great example is a diamond. A diamond is the most precious stone on the planet. It's so valuable. They're so small and they're worth so much money. And if you think about this, this is baffling. A diamond is made up of the exact same ingredients that a piece of charcoal is made up out of. Why is one worthless and one so valuable? There's only one reason. Pressure. Heat. Time. More pressure. More heat. More time. And more pressure. And more heat. And more time. And finally, when you unearth it, would you look at that? It's not a piece of charcoal anymore. (laughs) It's a beautiful diamond, and that's like our lives too. It takes the pressure and the heat and the time for God to make a gem. He's refining us. He's conforming us into his image. These are part of the things that the seasons in our life. And the last one, gentlemen, if I lost you on the gold or the diamonds, is horsepower. Gentlemen, you like horsepower? Horsepower. The only way an engine can create horsepower is with compression. And if an engine can handle more compression, you can get way more horsepower out of it. And if you want God, spiritually speaking, to develop a little horsepower in your life, it does take some compression. Compression doesn't feel good. We don't like to be compressed. We're not standing in line saying, compress me. Yet, through the process of compression, God can generate some amazing horsepower, so to speak, in your life. So there is a process. There's a process to our seasons. My prayer is you'll understand your season. You'll recognize your season. You won't get stuck in it. You'll maximize it. But you'll also see through it, just like Paul did when his season changed right here. He didn't throw in the towel. What did I do to deserve this? Lord, I've been serving you. I'm in jail. <laughs> year after year, here we go again. Did you leave me? Do you not like me anymore? Are you mad at me? That's what we do. That's not what he did. We say No. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's how we can write this later on with conviction. Say, Let me tell you guys something. All things, all things, all things work together for the good. For those who love God 
and are called according to his purpose. That's the way God orchestrates it. So as our prayer team comes up, we're going to close in worship. We're going to have about five minutes of just music and, and prayer, and then we'll close out in a corporate worship song. So maybe just sit here, reflect on your own heart, spend the next five minutes just seeking God, asking uh, but please come up and get prayer. It's a bold step of faith for you to even get prayer. To say, God, what is my season? How should I navigate this season? Help me see through this season. And God will bless. He honors these. Well, Lord God, I pray you do that today. I pray you search our hearts regarding the things of seasons in our life. And I pray that as you say there's a season for everything under the sun, that we would recognize maybe there's things in our lives that we need to start planting. Maybe there's some things in our life that we need to gather Maybe there's a season to cast away. Maybe there's some things in our life it's time to start loving a little more. And maybe it's time to get rid of some things. We need to start hating some things in our life that need to go away. I don't know what it is, God, but you know. Maybe it's time for new life. Maybe it's time for new beginnings and new areas. But I pray today you would speak to your people through prayer that we would navigate seasons in a way that makes you smile. We love you, mighty God. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.